But, you know, at its core, it's obvious that by sending them this normative approval of up to 25, you basically invite them to test the boundaries of, of this without being covered. Welcome to Weekly Grooves. My name is Tim Houlihan. And I'm Kurt Nelson. Each week, Weekly Grooves picks a current article or news topic, and we explore it through a behavioral science lens. We dig in deep to help you understand the psychology behind the headline. And the specific topic is current, but the insights are timeless. Yes. Yes, they are, Tim. <laughs> All right. So this week, we are exploring the recent explosion of coronavirus cases on college campuses. Specifically, we are looking at how universities and colleges have communicated information to their students and the implicit messaging that they are sending. This idea was spurred by a friend, Eugen Demont. Eugen Demont, uh, Associate Professor of Practice in Behavioral and Decision Sciences at the University of Pennsylvania. Eugen pointed us to a meme on the internet that was getting a lot of attention and not a lot of really good attention. It was a meme that the University of Michigan put out to make students aware of some of the rules they had about coming back to campuses during the pandemic. The meme used two pictures of Drake, the famous Canadian singer. In one picture, Drake is wearing his big orange winter jacket, big smile on his face and his fingers pointing up. Next to that picture were the words, party of 25. In the other picture, which was right next to it, Drake is dressed the same, but his head is down, almost scowling, and his hand is up, palm out in front of his face, indicating, stay away. And next to that picture are the words, party of 26. So Oregon had pointed us to this meme on Twitter and posed the question, with a celebrity sending a clear message like that, what could go wrong? Well, a lot. But before we go there, let's just discuss what is going on around the country. As colleges and universities are reopening and inviting students back to class, many of them in person, coronavirus rates have skyrocketed in those communities. These areas are the new hotspots for spikes in infections across the country. Yeah, let's just look at Alabama. The university system there had put together what they thought was a comprehensive plan to combat coronavirus outbreaks with every student needing to be tested before being allowed back on campus. However, as of 10 days ago, the system had over 2,500 confirmed cases after being back to school for only three weeks. This has been pretty much the pattern for many college communities around the United States. Bring students back to campus and within a few weeks, infections skyrocket. Universities knew that they were taking a risk in bringing students back to campus. So they were all focused on putting together plans for how they were going to keep their students as safe as possible. Obviously, many of those plans have not worked out. Of course, there were many barriers to success. To start with, there was still a lot of things we don't know about the coronavirus and how it spreads. Student housing is often dense with little room to social distance. At the same time, the college students' brains are still developing their ability to process risks. Their social needs are higher than ever, and their hormones are on rocket fuel. <laughs> Which pulls us back to the meme we mentioned at the start, the one with the two pictures of Drake. This was sent out by the University of Michigan as part of their way of communicating to their students. First off, kudos for trying to use a current method of communication. But 
were not sure if they understood the implication of the messages that were actually being interpreted by the students. Yeah, and this is why Oregon contacted us. His work focuses on understanding social norms and how they impact behavior, as well as how those norms get informed and maintained. We decided to talk to him about his insights on this, and in particular, on this meme. So I think at, at its core, what, what they did well, let's start with this, is they had a very clear message about what's okay and what's not okay, right? It was very clear, and, and this is part of doing successful sort of norm nudging, if you want, right? You want to be clear about the message, you want to avoid and reduce wiggle room. Um, and so from that perspective, that is a good approach. But the meme didn't do a good job at another aspect that is really required. Um, but in order for people to adhere to norms, you also need to be swift in your punishment and enforce the rules. So if you remember, the meme didn't actually say anything about any punishment for breaking these rules. Sure, you had the sour-faced Drake looking on at you, but that would be considered a social cue, not a punishment from the university. But it would be a more of a punishment from other student peers. And take a minute to think about this. What are the norms that students are going to be focused on? Is it about keeping a party to under 25 people? And if it isn't, you're going to report that said party? Or will students feel social pressure to report that party if it gets too large? No, the social pressure is going to be going with the flow and socializing so that the norm is actually opposite of what was being stated in the meme. Yeah, and Eugen also brought up the idea that with this messaging, it needs to be very clear to set boundaries, which is what they do with the 25 people message. But what they don't talk about is what constitutes a party. Could you have two rooms next to each other with 25 people in each, or three rooms with 25 people in each, four rooms, you get the picture. But, you know, at its core, it's obvious that by sending them this normative approval of up to 25, you basically invite them to test the boundaries of, of this without being punished. People look for ways to game the system. College students aren't stupid. They're looking for loopholes and ways to push boundaries. This is central to what they do as human beings. And because the message in the meme is ambiguous, it will be exploited without any regret. And, and at the at the end of the day, what's what's very correct about your statement is they they will not even feel any guilt or shame doing that because what you're telling them in what you believe is a clear way, but really there's a lot of ambiguity, which is gatherings of twenty five people is okay. And but what defines these gatherings? Like what is the local distance that defines one or two gatherings? But then also the research that I have with Christina Vicieri, right, indicates that if you leave enough wiggle room and uncertainty, you decide what you want to learn. You decide how you want to fill this void in a self-serving way. And why wouldn't you? So we see that having a fun meme that gets shared around by students intended to show what is acceptable and what isn't actually can add to the confusion. And people will decipher it in a way that they want to, in a way that makes them feel good about themselves they fill in the void in a self-serving way. So that is one way that universities have not understood some of the behavioral science that drives these student behaviors and has led to the outbreaks. Are there other things that universities could have done better? 
Going back to the Alabama University system, Tim, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, they had a plan in place to keep COVID at bay. They were going to test every student prior to them being able to come back to class, which they did. Yeah, well, that sounds like a good idea. In theory, it is. But with the number of students and the number of tests required, it made it operationally impossible to do that testing quickly. So the workaround they did was to have a two-week window for students to get tested prior to going back to school. In other words, I could go and get tested two weeks before going back on campus. So Tim, imagine what those students might be doing during those two weeks between being tested and going back to campus. Well, I, I guess I imagine that as soon as they got tested, they probably quarantined themselves with no outside contact with anyone else, right? I wish I lived in your dream world. <laughs> what actually happened is that many of them went out to parties or bars or just other social settings during the time between being tested and coming back to school. And we know that some of them during that time got infected. And because coronavirus can be asymptomatic, when they got back to school, they started spreading the virus to others without even knowing about it. These people then spread it to others and so on and so on and so on. Oh, yeah. So because all the students had been tested and many of them had negative results, the perception was that they were all safe. Even though the universities were clear in their message that students should be social distanced and wear masks, the students were probably thinking something like, well, how dangerous could it be if everyone had been tested prior to coming back? And because of that, students didn't feel the same level of concern to follow the rules. The implicit message was they were already safe. Which led to more students disregarding the recommendations and spreading the disease faster and wider. Exactly. So take into account that we know that the areas of our brains that register risk are not fully developed until we're 20, at least 25 years old. And frankly, even as adults, we tend to over and sometimes underestimate risk. This was a recipe for disaster. All right. So lots of things going on. So what would have the universities done differently if they would have had a behavioral scientist working with them on these plans? Well, for one thing, they would not have had a two-week gap where students could go out and expose themselves before coming to campus. Also, they probably would have instituted more frequent and ongoing testing, which implies that there is still a concern of spread happening and that they're really not fully safe. In messaging, while a meme using Drake is vivid, it probably would have been more impactful by using students. People who the students could relate to and feel like they are part of their reference group. Additionally, adding in some more detail on what constitutes a party and specific stats and other information to take away as much of the ambiguity as possible and not provide any way for students to fill in the void in a self-serving way. And finally, Eugen points out an important aspect on enforcement. The science would say that we cannot rely um, on, on, on people engaging the right behavior unless there's some sort of enforcement, and that enforcement sometimes needs to be institutional. So just by telling them and nudging them into that doesn't mean that they will adhere unless there is a high enough cost of not following the rules. And the high enough cost could be a credible threat of saying there's a consequence to your action more than just a social consequence. Wonderful. Let's recap this, Kurt. First, many colleges and universities had students come back on campus. This has led to a large number of coronavirus outbreaks at many of these campuses. 
this was foreseeable and universities tried to keep their students safe, but did not bring in a behavioral science perspective to help them account for how students would interpret messages or behave. The messaging that they did was often fun and vivid, but ambiguous and didn't provide clear messages or descriptions of the consequences, thus leading students to try to game the system and to push the boundaries. Universities also did not think about the subtle messaging that was going on or how students would interpret the idea of everyone being tested. This led to a false sense of security that may have led to a faster and wider spread of the disease. Finally, it's important for universities to integrate some behavioral science and behavioral insights into the design of the communication, making the messaging more relevant and specific, highlighting consequences beyond just social shame, clearly outlining the do's and don'ts, and having ongoing testing. These small changes would have really helped reduce the spread of the virus. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. It was a bit different than our normally weekly grooves, and so if you like this format, let us know. Also, check out the show notes for links to the meme and some other information that we discussed. We also greatly appreciate you listening and hope you have enjoyed this and found it useful. If you did like it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review on Apple or whichever pod service you use. We hope you go out and find your groove this week.